You're listening to Strange by Nature, your guide to the strange, weird, unbelievable, and improbable wonders of the natural world. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here today. I am Kirk Mona, and I am joined today by Rachel Ginza and Victoria Thompson. We are all professional naturalists who together have scoured the world for weird and wonderful wonders just to please your mammalian brain's desire for novelty. Isn't that nice? Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Uh, Hi, Rachel. Hey. Hi, Rachel. I get to start us off this week, and I'm not going to lie, just like how Kirk's episode last week, can't believe we haven't covered this yet. I can't believe we haven't covered this yet. I'm going to have to cross it off my list. Maybe. Probably me too. What is it? So I don't know about you all, but um, do you count your steps? Not really. Um, no, I just, I, in our job, I feel like we get so many steps anyways that it's kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. So I have a pedometer on my phone and I keep track of how many steps I do just a little bit. So I have a general idea. Um, but I will say I'm very lucky in the fact that I don't have to count my steps to find my way around at all. Cause there are people who have to do that. Um, but, uh, I'm going to talk about the pedometer effect today a little bit. The pedometer effects. I don't, it's not on my list. No. The experiment that came up with it probably is so this was really big a few years ago um where some scientists started wondering how some ants got home so in the desert there are ant there are desert dwelling ants okay Okay, and these desert dwelling ants um it's hard for them to be able to use uh chemical trails like a lot of other ants to navigate between okay. their nest and a food source because the heat will disintegrate the chemical trails. So mm, it's a lot harder okay. for them to be able to figure out, okay, where is, or to be able to smell their way from one spot to another, like a lot of other ants do. Okay. So some scientists decided, well, how do they get home? And they observed some ants and they trained them and they decided, well, Let's see if they count their steps. Huh. So, okay. Wow, that seems like tedious research, but you gotcha. So they trained these desert ants to go to and from a home spot to a spot where there was food. Right. Got them mm-hmm. used to that uh, spot from one spot or going from home to food. Um, but they needed to see if they really count their steps. So what would you do? If you had to test whether or not ants count their steps, what would you do? Okay, my first thought, why I said it'd be tedious, is to actually sit there and count their steps, which sounds horrifying. Uh, Or you could build a tiny, teeny, tiny little pedometer, which also Mm -hmm. seems very challenging. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my thought was just, like, move the food source. Mm. Or move the ant after it reaches the food source. Oh, they're, sure. Yeah. Move the ants. Yeah. Because they're trying to see if the ants are the ones counting their steps. Right. Well, this is uh, what the scientists did. They split them into three groups. Treadmill. 
interesting. No. That probably would have been easier than what they did. <laughs> okay. 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 They split them into three groups. One group, um, one group glued pig bristles to their legs to give them little stilts to artificially stilts? lengthen their what? legs. Wow. What? I can't believe you. neither of you have heard of this. There's they, this uh, everywhere. They put ants That's, on stilts? Are you put, kidding me? No. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, this was oh. an NPR, man. Okay, um, keep going. This is even and better. Then than another than group tacking on extra like, feathers to the tails of the widow birds. I'm glad he brought that up because one group they cut the legs off at their knees oh. to shorten their legs. Oh. No animals were harmed That's in the making horrible. of this research. Not. <laughs> and the other group was left alone. Um, so they were able to see whether or not they left the food at the same spot and they released the ants from home. And the ants that had stilts walked past the food way and looked far, around yeah. way too far and looked around seeing, trying to find the food. The ants that had too short of legs, little tiny stumpy legs, didn't get far enough, but it seemed to be looking around for it. They didn't have legs to barely move, but okay. Yeah. Right. And then the ants that had normal legs were able to get to where the food is. So they were able to adjust and they were able to make it back to the feeding site without any sort of trouble. Um, this is what they call uh, a... They probably use a step integrator. Um we don't actually think that the ants are literally counting their right. steps. Sure. Um, like actually counting their steps. There's just no way that they can actually count their steps. It's too high of a number. It's yeah. too high of a number and their brains don't really work that way. Um, right. The thing is, um, so a step integrator gives like, a general idea of what how uh, of the sense of distance be based on how many steps they've taken um but they can't actually count their steps okay? okay and this is still something that needs to be um a hypothesis that still needs to be double checked and everything this is an affirm like this is what they do but this we is gotta, what we got to we got to put way more it. ants on stilts so basically exactly. they're going to be cutting a lot of more ants off at the knee i mean they 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 might yeah yeah they might but I, I went more for the funny part of the ants on stilts, <laughs> yeah but I mean yeah ants on stilts uh it is something that they end up doing and they it's just fascinating and it was um just to give a little credit uh was it was Harold Harold Wolf of the University of Ulm um and his assistant Matthias Whitlinger who designed and went about this experiment well um, hats off yeah good for them um i will say people are very fascinated on where this would where this could go um and i have to really uh give credit to inspiringscience.net 
Uh, they did a really good job on breaking it down past like, oh my gosh, they count their steps kind of big headlines that media likes to do. But that's what I have for you today. Ants kind of sort of count steps. So what's the connection to the pedometer effect? So that is what they call it, um, is the pedometer effect, is the the step... Um, Integrator? Integrator, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I so the, the idea of that they have some sort of internal system to keep track of how the distance between locations. Um, so it's the pedometer effect. Okay, cool. Yeah. Hmm. Kind of like a pedometer. So. Thanks. Yeah. No I problem. Just, I know when I put on stilts, uh, <laughs> I tend to walk. Large you, steps. You laugh. Well, I don't go as far because it's very awkward. Yeah. And I'm yeah. terrified I'm going to fall and like smash my face or something. So. Just because you have a uh, long way to fall, Kirk. Well, but also I think having six legs, you know, it's sort of like actually when I have used stilts, I'll often have like long poles you're walking with, like a cane or something, because that is somewhere you're much more stable. So I think yes. a multi-legged animal would be much better at walking on stilts than uh, I would because they're not as terrified about falling and breaking their face. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, they were pig bristles, so I mean, it's very similar to like their legs, I suppose. I I just there was some <laughs> intern, graduate, undergraduate student. Gra- yeah, grad student probably is here. Glue these here, to these. Uh, glue legs. these pig bristles <laughs> to these ants' legs. And here's the thing. You were saying this earlier a little, or just a bit, Kirk, but they did count the steps of all the ants to make sure they oh. were all going the uh, same amount of steps those poor to get those, <laughs> to get the... Just miserable. To see if they were going the same amount of steps or if they were just doing something else. That's I a, hope they, vid- that is I a hope they videotaped it and then watched the video because if you were like, if you got like oh. halfway to the food and you're like, 128, 100, uh-huh. wait, was I at... One seventy or one? Oh no, he's still moving, and you're like, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pick um, him up. Go back to the beginning. Yeah. So they, th- yeah, because they had to see if they were walking the same number of steps, not just right. that the gates, because the gates were changed, they were able to figure sure. it out. They had to see if they were walking the same amount. It's not well. <laughs> hats off to you, I guess. That's yeah. really something. <laughs> Science <laughs> is fun. <laughs> Um, we're going to take a quick break and when we return, it'll be Victoria. Strange by Nature podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who have joined the Society of Strange, our membership group on over at patreon.com slash strangebynature. Society of Strange members can join at one of three different membership levels and help support the show and also get some fun stuff like water bottle stickers or access to a super secret content. So a thank you to those who have joined already to help make this podcast possible. If you haven't joined yet, we'll see you soon over at the Society of Strange at patreon.com slash strange by nature. See you soon. Hey, we're back. If you had to pick a candidate for the most 
underappreciated player for supporting life on Earth. It, uh, it might be Earth's Bacteria. magnetic field. I feel like Earth's magnetic field is a good candidate here. Uh, that doesn't, doesn't get yeah. celebrated enough. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Earth is basically a giant magnet, and that's caused by the convection of molten iron and nickel within the Earth's core. Mm-hmm. And the magnetic field that that creates is uh, absolutely key for shielding us from the powerful solar winds that stream through the solar wisdom system and also and the, the, from the, the radiation that is true yeah cosmic yeah. rays i appreciate yeah. it uh so what the solar wind is is basically a, a plasma that's thrown off by the upper atmosphere of the sun and it consists mainly of charged particles so protons electrons and alpha product particles uh, with also some atoms and nuclei of heavier elements thrown in these are very mm-hmm. high energy so they're traveling at speeds of 250 to 750 kilometers per second or around uh, 1.4 million kilometers per hour, which is very oh, fast. Real <laughs> Just fast, a yeah. little fast. Yeah. Uh, so Ooh. they would be extremely damaging to life on earth if they reached the surface here without interference. It's believed mm-hmm. that the solar wind can rip away a planet's atmosphere over time. So actually, astronomers believe that's one of the reasons why Mars has such a thin atmosphere. It used to have a thicker one, yeah, and I think yeah. got ripped away by the solar wind because uh, Mars doesn't have Crazy. a magnetic field. Uh, some of Mars. yeah, some of the high energy particles, uh, like alpha particles, can be extremely damaging to life forms, including obviously humans. Uh, mm-hmm. And these charged particles can also seriously disrupt electronic and telecommunications equipment and the power grid. But luckily, as I said, Earth's magnetic, magnetic field is able to deflect most of the solar wind and protect us from its effects. So That's good. Yeah, so we'd be in trouble, right, if our magnetic field disappeared. Yeah. Seems unlikely yes. to happen, you'll be glad to hear, since geologists believe it's been present on Earth for at least three and a half billion years. Right. However, however and we're finally there, getting to the topic... The that I'm going to talk about today. The magnetic field is known to reverse polarity with some <gasps> frequency. Yes. Awesome. We are talking yes. about magnetic pole reversals. Oh my gosh. Woo-hoo. I'm very excited. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so what does that mean? What's going to happen to all of us when that happens? Well, the poles literally reverse your compass needle that currently points toward the North magnetic pole in the Arctic would instead point toward Antarctica. So the north mm-hmm. would be in Antarctica and the south would be uh, in, in the, Arctic. the Arctic. Now, our planet is not like flipping in space. It's just the, the way the magnetic field is facing. Good right. clarification. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, very solid. <laughs> just, you know. One would be more terrifying than the other. Got to flip like, the Whoa! flat earth. Flat earth pancake <laughs> over to the other side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Flip the pancake. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, these reversals are recorded in the geologic record by magnetic particles within various rocks. Mm-hmm. So we know that there have been, in fact, many, many reversals over the Earth's history. Right, and yeah. they come about every 300,000 years on average. So the last one occurred 780,000 years ago. That makes it sound like we're quote unquote overdue for a reversal. Right. 
But that's not really true. Because no, the pattern nature does whatever it does. No, the pattern of reversals is in fact quite random. And there have been periods when there was no switch for tens of millions of years. And there have also been periods when switches happened sooner, much quicker than every 300,000 years. So it's really, it's really not telling us a whole lot. Of course. Yeah, I remember hearing them saying during the reversal that it could be flipping like daily, they thought. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Like it could like, you know, once Don't it's like that. Before, before it settles down, it could be just like wandering around and flipping back and forth. And... Yeah. I didn't hear anything Woo! about daily flips, but we'll get into some of the yeah. dynamics okay, of it. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's unclear exactly what causes the reversals. I think the main hypothesis is that it is just due to the fluid dynamics of the Earth's spinning core. Right. Uh, but there are also hypotheses suggesting that external events like a major impact or uh, big plate tectonic hmm. subductions could spur switches sometimes. But in any rate, okay. at any rate, there are these switches, but it is not just like switching on and off a light. It's not like you wake up one day, whoops, <laughs> your compass is pointing the wrong direction. Right, right, right. <laughs> it does take place quickly, but on a geologic time scale, which is to say over ah. thousands of years. Okay. So it, while it's happening, it can, it can wander around a bit. Um, and well, we'll get into that more in a, in a, in a minute, but what okay. what is going to happen to us life on earth what's going to happen as i said the magnetic field is thought to sometimes weaken as a part of the reversal but not to ever disappear mm -hmm. and the poles will gradually wander their way to the opposite end of the earth uh, with some wavering around it's just a period mm -hmm. of unsettled unsettled mag magnetism until it settles into the opposite polarity uh, the magnetic field currently has shown some weakening over the time that we've been looking and the poles yeah, yeah. are always wandering a bit anyway. So it is in fact possible that we're in the middle of a reversal, but it's, it's pretty much impossible to tell for sure because we just don't have right. the data Thousands and it of years, takes yeah. so long relative to the amount of time we've been looking. Um, if that does happen, most animals and plants will probably be just fine. Uh, the mm -hmm. exception is for migrating species because oh, so to the extent that they depend on the magnetic field for navigation, they could get really, really confused. So mm -hmm. things that's, like that's one, one thing they rely on, but not yeah. the only thing. So yeah, it's gotta mm -hmm. be like, I'm, I'm getting mixed signals here. Mm -hmm. You know, like, hmm. this is different than it has been last generations. Wonder what's going on. Yeah. So the main thing that we could worry about if you, if you really feel like you need to worry about something is uh, that the weakening of the field during a reversal could cause some additional problems with electronic equipment like power grids and, and other things. Uh, okay. Since the field doesn't disappear entirely, it'll probably be okay. It's stuff that we could plan for if we knew it was starting to happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so... There's that. You can go back to worrying about all the other stuff that you normally worry about. Well, I mean, that's good. I definitely I like that. Woohoo. Yeah. Uh, Do I you will... know why it reverses? It just does. Well, um, as I said, they mainly think it's due to the fluid dynamics of the core. Just okay. kind of cycling or doing its thing, but possibly impact events and things like that. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, one last so thing like, I wanted to say. We have some ideas, but don't, we, don't, we don't totally know. Yeah, we don't. Totally <laughs> know. what it comes down to, yeah. One last thing I wanted to say was that some folks over the years have tried to link magnetic pole reversals to mass extinction events. But uh, with careful mm. mathematical examination of the data, these two phenomena, uh, it, there really is no link that they can find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I that think there's sense, one though. or two occasions where it kind of lines up, but there's no real causality that is there. Yeah. Well, do you know, did you come upon the one big upside to a magnetic reversal? Uh, maybe not. You're going to tell me. Uh, yeah. The, and just for instance, just uh, last in the last 24 hours here, we had a big um, CME or a, um, Electromagnetic. No, said it. Uh, a coronal mass ejection from oh, the yeah. CME hit the Earth just within what's within 24 hours of us recording this and sparked northern lights in, at high latitudes. Uh, they think that during the reversal, because the fields are going like just oh yeah, I did see that everywhere. Yeah. That there we'd probably have like really really killer northern lights, but they wouldn't be northern lights. They be they could appear anywhere, just like worldwide aurora. Yeah. So That's I mean cool. We, we yeah. got that going for us. That would That's be cool. awesome. I would like to maybe see that. Well, we'll take a break and we'll uh you know try to find a way to send Rachel to uh Iceland. Yeah, and when we come back from the break, we'll have Absolutely. Kirk. Perfect. I'm off to Iceland. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Okay, we're back. And uh, Rachel, how was your trip to Iceland? It's uh, surprisingly warm, but really cool. It was really fun. That that may not have been Iceland. Okay, so <laughs> last week uh, I talked about tardigrades, right, and all their amazing mm-hmm. adaptations mm-hmm. and such. But one that really stands out for me as the most amazing is the cryptobiosis, like the ability to suspend life during those time periods that are not so hospitable to life, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And I. I hinted that there were other animals that undergo cryptobiosis. And this week, I'm going to talk about the most famous cryptobiotic animal to have ever existed on the face of the planet. Those are some now, superlatives right there. Yeah, that's I, a I know, real big yeah, title for this. Yeah, I know, I, know what you, I know what you're already thinking. OMG, he's going to talk about yeast. The amazing cryptobiotic organism that gives us both bread and beer. Not an animal. No, no, no. But no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's this is even more famous than than yeast, which oh, yeah, is also not an animal. Oh, I was my worried friends, I'd have to take this off my list. We have come to the point in the show where I finally talk about sea monkeys. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> so let's, let's I had get one sea monkeys growing the up. The moment we've all been waiting for. I know. Everyone's just been like. Save monkeys. All the emails will finally stop coming in. Ugh, Let's get finally. one thing straight off the bat. Uh, they're not monkeys, mm-hmm. and they do not come from the sea. Nope. So I guess that's that's two things straight off the bat. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're not doing great so far, but we're just, we're just going to forge ahead. Uh, there's a chance some of uh, you dear listeners have never picked up a comic book in your life and glanced <laughs> at the amazing advertising in the back <laughs> for such things as X-ray glasses. <laughs> And plans mm-hmm. for how to build your uh, hovercraft out of a vacuum cleaner. So <laughs> I suppose there's some possibility that somehow you went through your life never seeing an ad for sea monkeys. 
But let me assure you, for decades and decades, millions of children saw millions of ads for sea monkeys and, and were very intrigued. Uh, mm-hmm. Harold von Braunhut, who was the inventor and marketer behind sea monkeys, claimed to have bought 3.2 million pages of comic book advertising per year. Wow. What? At, wow. Yeah, at the, at, at the height of the sea monkey craze. So uh, wow. he did quite, quite well for himself, and they were definitely a huge hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Braunhut, incidentally, was also the man behind X-ray specs. And something called the invisible goldfish, which is, <laughs> uh, yeah, oh boy. Uh, as far as I can tell, fishy. it is just a straw. Oh, as, as far as I can tell, the invisible goldfish was just a straight up scam uh, that mm-hmm. involves selling Sounds like kids em- empty goldfish bowls with a guarantee that no one, including them, will ever be able to see the fish. Yeah, it's a total scam. Yeah, so yeah. if you're starting to think he sounds like a real uh, piece of work, you'd be right, as apparently he also uh, supported white supremacists and used a bunch of his money he made to uh, buy weapons for the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, so, do not uh, like him. Oh, okay. Yeah, enough about that, loser. Let's talk about mm-hmm. sea monkeys. Sea monkeys. So what are they if they're not monkeys from the sea? Well, what people got when buying sea monkeys was actually a small plastic aquarium uh, a packet of water purifier, a packet of sea monkey eggs, and a packet of sea monkey food. Uh, so I never did get any as a child, but I, I did, did actually get some. I got some as a white elephant gift once, uh, and I had a sea monkey colony on my desk at work as a young naturalist. That's mm. fun. So, yeah, mine, incidentally, uh, if you're curious, was the Sea Monkeys on Mars kit, which okay. I checked, and it is still available. Uh, so... <laughs> What sea monkeys really are is just brine shrimp. So specifically, okay. and I hope I say this right, they're from the genus uh, Artemia. That's uh, right. We're just gonna we're gonna go mm. with that pronunciation. Now the inventor claimed that he created or had some scientists create for him a custom hybrid of Artemia species, specifically to have extra to be like extra hardy and extra large sea monkeys. But I'm pretty sure that's just a BS marketing claim, and yeah. he, they're just regular mm-hmm. old brine shrimp uh, i don't really believe that it, his claims i don't think it's ever been proven that they're anything but regular old brine shrimp brine shrimp are pretty amazing though in their own right uh they are a small shrimp that uh likes to live in salty lakes so they're not found in the ocean they're found in uh, very salty lakes that are mm-hmm. prone to drying up uh, which is pretty key because they would be really okay. tasty food for any fish that would be found in those lakes yeah uh, and so by living in like really salty lakes that are prone to drying up, that means there's there's no fish. Uh, there's no fish there because fish would die in there. Yeah. So I said they dry up, though. Uh, so that would be problematic for animals living there, including the brine shrimp. Now, the brine shrimp themselves do not actually dry up. Well, they do completely dry up and then they die. <laughs> that, that kills them. Um, yeah. But what is cryptobiotic are their eggs. They, they lay okay, eggs okay. as the pond is drying up and their eggs can become completely desiccated uh, and void of water and then stay that way for quite a long time. Uh, so it's very cool. Uh, now, they naturally uh, can mate and produce offspring, uh, which is how you get those fertilized eggs. Mm-hmm. But they're also capable of Parthenogenesis. Insert some kind of Jurassic Park reference here. Uh, (laughs) Basically, 
unfertilized eggs that are laid can hatch out into new female brine shrimp. So you can't get any males that way, but through parthenogenesis, mm -hmm. you can uh, get more female brine shrimp. So also like tardigrades last week, brine shrimp have been into space. Yes, they've been into space. Exactly. Yes. They've actually been on seven different space flights. Oh, they've been and, to space a lot. And they've been to the moon twice. Oh, wow. Now, I, Are I you saying actually... they're cooler than tardigrades? Yeah, pretty much. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, um, oh, some disagreement. It's okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if they actually went to the moon's surface. I think they maybe only orbited the moon. I couldn't okay. really find good data on that. But um, the experiments, and this ties in totally with uh, Victoria's topic, the experiments were to test the effects of cosmic ray radiation on life because you were outside of, mm -hmm. uh, once you go to the moon, you're outside of the magnetic field of the Earth, at least for the mm. most part. Um, and spoiler alert, radiation is bad for life. Uh, <laughs> huh. Nine, Never would have thought. Yeah, you'd think that maybe like the tardigrade, like like maybe like that 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 um the the cryptobiotic, what's called like a cyst, that like egg, uh, mm -hmm. would um maybe provide some kind of protection. But ninety percent of the eggs flown to the moon and back died at various stages of development when they okay. were hatched back on Earth. So, wah, wah, mm. not, not so, so much. So getting back to sea monkeys uh, specifically, mm -hmm. the packet that you get of water purifier uh, is not technically totally all water purifier um mm -hmm. you put water in and the packet reportedly has salt some kind of water conditioner and brine shrimp eggs so there's actually eggs in that very first pack that you put in which i think is their sort of sneaky way of giving some of the eggs a little bit of a head start mm -hmm. uh once that sat overnight uh, the next day you add in the egg packet which is eggs yeast borax and more salt and the growth then you have a growth packet and that, which is also like basically the food that you're going to feed them. And that is a mm -hmm. combination of yeast and spirulina, uh, which Wait. the shrimp are going to eat. Mm -hmm. So why, really. Why borax? Well, um, the borax is probably um, has something to do with just adjusting the, the, um, the water. To make okay. It. I don't, it's with it's probably something, something that's like naturally that. found in the briny pools that Could they live there. in i do know that when okay. they first came up with this they they worked with some scientists to figure out how do we create water that they're really going to thrive in and mm -hmm. that must be one of the ingredients they came up with but okay. the yeast and the spirulina are there for the shrimp to eat um and so it's kind of cool if you're putting yeast in you now have two different cryptobiotic things in your mm -hmm. mini aquarium <laughs> which is kind of cool uh but you know no one cares about the yeast that's just food so uh there are claims out there that people have kept sea monkeys alive for years uh, which I kind of wonder about, but mm -hmm. in most cases they live about, if you're really careful, about two to three months is okay. how long they're going to live. Okay. Yeah. And if you're thinking you would like to have some, they are still available either in the originally named Sea Monkeys brand, or there are some other ones, including one that that was kind of cool called Aqua Dragons. I like a, that uh, one better. That's a pretty catchy name. Okay. Important uh, you, question though. Yeah. If you order the Sea Monkeys, Sea Monkeys brand, are you still yeah. supporting Mr. White Supremacist? Bun? Oh, What's we're, his name? We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Ah, okay. um, I'll say you can get either one. They are the same. They're like the exact same thing. Uh, I kind of prefer the original design of the aquarium for the sea monkeys because it has a little built in like bubbles on the side, like little magnifiers. Mm -hmm. uh, but I got to say the Aqua Dragons tank comes with, with like built in LEDs, to, like Ooh. light it up. So uh, that's that pretty, pretty cool. That is pretty sweet. Now, Victoria totally anticipated what I was going to say mm -hmm. because 
you might be thinking like, hey, maybe I kind of like to see monkey design, but I don't want to support like a piece of human garbage. And yes. it's okay because he's dead. Uh, and <laughs> okay. uh, a new company actually like stole the name and has nice. no association with the original. They actually got sued over it and <laughs> um, his wife lost the lawsuit somehow. So uh, nice. the company that puts them out now is not associated with uh, a horrible human being at all. So there's a the fun toy. Uh, I so like not, that. Like, <laughs> toy, the animals are not a toy. They are living things, but the, right. it's an educational toy to learn about uh, life and stuff. So really cool thing to get uh, for yourself or for your, your kids or something if you want to learn about brine shrimp. But again, not monkeys and not from the sea. <laughs> Just salty lakes. They're also not dragons, but we're going to skip over that. Right. Crustaceans, actually. So there you go. <laughs> Yep. Uh, you know, I I'm, I was happy to bring this topic to you. We can we can now all rest easy that we've we've talked about sea monkeys. Stop with the emails, okay? We we did it. <laughs> we've talked about sea monkeys now. Uh, thank you so much for for humoring us, and uh, that's what I got for you this week. Thanks, Kirk. Thank you. Uh, you back memories. Uh, indeed. I never had sea monkeys that I recall. Well, we know what to get you now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I'm not finished. That, that's yeah. okay. That's okay. Your kids will love it. Yep. All right. Well, everyone have a, a pleasant evening or morning or whatever time it was you happen to listen to this. And uh, th thanks for being there. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of The Strange discover the show. You can reach out to us on social media by searching for Strange by Nature Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can send us an email as well. Our address is contact at strangebynaturepodcast.com. If you want more information about the show, you can also check out our website, which is strangebynaturepodcast.com. Until next week, get outside, stay curious, and embrace The Strange.